We have a dear brother, um, Tim, who lost his mother this week. And the service will, will be a private service tomorrow. And um, the family will just want to lift our, heads, our hearts up to, to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to lift up our brother Tim to you. Lord, and his family and the loss of his mom. She fought a battle with cancer. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you be with the family. Be with Tim as he ministers to his family spiritually and with love. And Father, be with them tomorrow as they gather as a family for a private ceremony. And uh, Lord, may they just get a sense that you're with them. May Tim know that we love him, care about him deeply. And uh, also, Lord, I want to lift up a, a pastor friend of mine back in Pennsylvania, Lord, that's been diagnosed with ALS. I want to lift up Mike, and I want to pray for Mike, as uh, many of our churches right now, Lord, across the country are joining together to lift up Mike and his church in Nescapec, Pennsylvania. Father, I just pray for Mike and his family in this diagnosis. It's uh, not a good diagnosis. So, Father, we just lift him up. And then, Father, the unspoken uh, needs in our church right now, Lord, where everyone's hearts are, the children's hearts, uh, adults, Wherever we might be, Lord, there's, we, we have losses. There's been losses this week in our nation, Lord. And I'm sure that uh, many here have been watching the services of, uh, of, of family members that have lost loved ones. And so, Father, we just uh, gather today because of you. We gather together because there is an eternity that you promise us. There is an eternity, Lord, uh, forever. We will be forever with you. We'll be without sickness, without pain. Father, we will have new bodies, and uh, Father, we want to live as we live here. We want to live to glorify you. We want to live to praise your name. And Father, today specifically, as uh, we all stay in the sanctuary together, all the children as well, Lord, and we think about the communion table, we think about coming and taking that bread that represents your body that was broken for us, represent, Father, the, the cup that represents the blood that was shed for us, Father, may we keep that in mind as we look at what your scripture says to us today about being the church, about growing up in you, about becoming mature in you, about, Father, just getting closer to you and being united as a body in the one, that one Lord, that one faith, that one baptism. And, uh, Father, having that commonality amongst us, Lord, that you are our Lord and you're our Savior. Uh, I, just, I just give you praise right now ahead of time for what you're going to accomplish in and through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> I uh, was forgetting that uh, for, to pray for Tim, and, and I mentioned a friend of mine, uh, past, uh, Pastor Mike, back in Nesca, little church in Nescapec in Pennsylvania. You know, you get that diagnosis of ALS, and if you've known anyone that's had that uh, disease, um, it's not pleasant. Um, so, um, also for the children, I just want to say, uh, uh, you know, on, on a, when we have communion, uh, we usually have you stay in here, and I hope that, I hope you're okay. I hope I hope that something that I say today, something that we read from God's word, will encourage you too, and help you know that Jesus loves you. He wants you to grow up and put your trust in Him if you haven't already done that. And, and if there's anything that you walk out of here today, just know that no matter what you've done, what you do in the future, God loves you. And uh, he will always chase you down and he'll always lift you up. 
and he'll always be a safe place to go. And that's the way our Lord is. And we celebrate once a month, we have communion to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. We, we, we gather today to do in remembrance of what you've done. Take the bread, take the cup. And as far as that goes for your children, uh, your parents, you decide what you do with that. But Lord, we practice an open communion that is between you and the Lord. It's not about being a member of our church. It's between you and the Lord. And uh, when you know that you love him and what he's done for you, you take that and you, and anyway, he will bless that. We have been looking in, in Ephesians chapter 4, we've, we've been looking at um, the work of the church. And, and, and uh, well, last week we looked at the, uh, the, the gifts that God gives to the church of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And uh, what the purpose is of those gifts. And I wanted to address that more so today in terms of um, what is the role of these prophets and apostles and and pastors and teachers and evangelists. What are they specifically to do? And of course the Bible tells us what they are to do and so I wanted to read that from Ephesians chapter four. And, um, and I will just start in verse seven of chapter four. It says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men and here's the Here's the gifts, we're gonna talk about them in a minute. But now this, that he ascended, what does, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Jesus, in other words, what he's saying there, kids, is that Jesus was with the Father in heaven and he came down to us. God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son to, to die for us, to give his life for us. He loves us that much. And he, ought, he had to come to earth. He, he lived as a man. He was still God. He lived as a man. And ultimately know what we'll celebrate after the, this, the message today is that he went to the cross. We have a cross up here and he died for us so that when we put our trust in him, he comes into our lives and he gives us life, a supernatural life that we don't have but here he says in Ephesians that, that it's God himself, he himself, that gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And this is the purpose, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And, and then he says that, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning and craftiness of deceitful, deceitful plotting. In other words, we become mature and when we hear something that's false, we'll say, you know what, that doesn't sound right. And uh, we'll know it because we've been trained, we, 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 we know the word of God, we, we have the spirit of God, and we'll just say, you know, that's just not right, I'm not gonna get thrown over here, tossed over here. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. That's the goal, that we would grow up into him, the head Christ. And it's from whom, this, he is the one, it's from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, 
and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now that's a lot of scriptures to read. What I wanted us to focus on today is that what is this focus of what the pastor and the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, is what does this equipping mean? And other translations talk about it means to bring to a condition of fitness. It means perfecting. It means for the perfecting. Or it also can mean to bring back into joint. You know, before we know Christ, and we haven't known him as our personal Lord and Savior, we're out of joint with him, we're dislocated from him. And when we, when, even when we come to know him, then we get back into joint with him. But then life has a way of, if you've ever, especially in the wintertime, I have to watch it more so now as I'm getting older, to slip and twist a knee. You put a knee out of place, you put your knee out of joint. And that's what can happen in the Christian faith is we can get out of joint and get out of place or even break our leg. And so this, this word of equipping or bringing into a condition of fitness is also was used as a medical term when you have a broken leg or a dislocated joint. And of course, at the end of that passage, it says that we're held together. The whole body holds this thing together like ligaments in a body. And when your ligaments are good, holding everything together, and you've been put in a splint, you healed the brokenness, uh, there's, there's, uh, uh, you, you get your health back. You get your health back. And uh, so, he wants the, the elders, we have elders, we have bishops that, that are mentioned in other parts of scripture, but here is mentioned about evangelists and pastors and teachers, apostles, prophets. And the purpose is to bring to a condition of fitness, who? The, those of us that have come to know Christ. And it's for, and then when you're brought back into condition and you're brought into being made fit, perfected, what have you been perfected for? And he says, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up. So we're to be brought into fitness, we're to be fit, uh, fit into place, we're to be perfected, we're to be fully equipped, we're to be his people. And when we're fully equipped, we're equipped for a purpose, and the purpose is, is to do his work of ministry. So we all do it together, not, not just the pastor, not just the elders, not just the deacon, but all of us as a body. The, the, the healthy church is when all of us see that we're all his children, and we're all in this together to work together, but the, here, when he's specifically talking about pastors and teachers and prophets, their purpose is, is to perfect the people, to, to get them into a good state of condition. The Bible, the Bible talks a lot, and, and uh, other examples I've read, is that um, it's like becoming a Christian, growing it like this, be, becoming perfected or getting in condition is like going to the gym. Like the Christian, the walking in the, in the Christian faith is, is like getting in shape. You've got to get in shape to walk your Christian life out. And I started, uh, was talking to Todd this morning, uh, Todd's in the background sound there, about this idea of being brought into condition about getting fit for the, for the work of the ministry. 
Now, we, I don't know about you, but we tend to think about getting fit about like going to the gym, right? It, and and if getting fit physically, not necessarily coming to church and getting like fit for ministry, gospel ministry, I'll fit it into it, getting in shape for it. So sometimes if we don't have that focus of getting in shape, of being fit for it, when we come, we think, well, I, I come to church. I came to listen to a sermon. I didn't come to have do jumping jacks for the Lord. I mean, I'm not talking about physical jumping jacks, but I'm talking about that, that when you come to church, it's like, well, you know what? I, 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 I'm not so sure that I'm living my faith. I'm not so sure that I'm as strong as in my faith. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little bit shy of sharing my faith. I, and and you, but we come to church, but the goal is I'll listen to a sermon, I'll sing some songs, someone is going to pray for me, we'll take communion together, and I'm going to go home. And I'll come back next week and do the same. But the purpose of the church, the purpose of these gifts that God has given to the church, is to get you in shape, to get you fit, perfected. And why is it? Well, there's another, there's another uh, verse of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says that you're a chosen race. When we come to Christ, Christ has chosen us. We're a royal priesthood. We're a dedicated nation. We're God's own purchased special people. And he says that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're his chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're all priests. Do you ever, do you ever question that? That you're all priests, that you're a priest, I'm a priest? When we come to Christ, we're the priesthood of the believers? Priests, we're, we're it means that uh, we're holy ones. We're saints. In the, in the beginning of the, of the letter, uh, especially if you, almost all Paul's letters talk about uh, addressing to the saints. His Ephesians, and you can go through all his letters and you just check it out. But he says at the beginning of Ephesians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. That is you when you come to know Christ. You're a saint. I don't know but if you listened to the funeral service uh, yesterday of uh, John McCain. One of the ministers stood up and he said, well, I don't want to go as far as sainthood for John McCain. And have you heard that before? We don't want to go as far as sainthood. Oh, that's a, if we're a Christian, we're saints. You are a saint. When you come to Christ, you become a saint. That means, and, and simply a saint means a holy one. But uh, we're holy ones in Christ, and then you know how life gets a hold of you. Then, Christ, then God wants us to continually be staying in condition and staying fit spiritually, and that's what the goal of the, and role of the church is a royal priesthood, getting fit, special people. Another translation, I don't know if you've ever read the Phillips translation. 
It reads this passage like this. His gifts were made that Christians might be properly equipped for their service, that the whole body might be built up until the time comes when, in the unity of common faith and common knowledge of the Son of God, we arrive at real maturity, that measure of development which is meant by the fullness of Christ. God wants you developed. He wants you in shape. Now, we know that the Bible also talks about we're to go make disciples and that we are his disciples. So not only are we saints, not only are we his holy ones, not only are we are his priests, we're the priests of all believers, but we're also uh, to be developed as believers in Christ. I was thinking about this uh, as a disciple um, and Ian was here today and I thought, well, I wasn't sure that Ian was going to be here and I I told him, I said, well, now I'm going to talk about you. I was going to talk about you, so now you can hear it for yourself. But Ian over here, put your hand up, Ian, for a sec. Okay, now he's working in, in Nebraska, and he's a, what they call a, 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 an apprentice, a, a lineman. And it, the goal, the, the long-term goal will be that he will become a journeyman. Now, if you kids don't know what an apprentice is, I want to talk to you about, I'll talk to you about that what an apprentice is and what a journeyman, journeyman is. Apprenticeship is the same as discipleship. It's the, same, it's the same idea. So when Ian's out there learning how to be a lineman, he starts out a lower level of pay, which is still pretty good pay. But one day, I tell you, his dad is going to be so jealous when, when he gets to be that journeyman and starts pulling in that lineman, journeyman pay. But it's going to take some training. It's going to take some hours. He has to clock in. He has to work the hours. You have, if you don't have the hours, you can't get your journeyman. You also have to qualify. You have tests, and you go along. Now, how do I know that? Because when I was a 15-year-old kid who quit high school, I ended up in an aircraft factory called British Aerospace, building a, on a, a plane that if you've flown a big airplane, you've probably flown a plane that I was part of making called the European Airbus. We made the wings in North Wales in Chester. Now, I started out at age 15 as an apprentice, just like Ian is an apprentice. They had 110 apprentices at British Aerospace the, year, the first year I was there. It was a year of apprenticeship school before we went into the factory to work alongside journeymen, usually one month with one journeyman, sometimes up to three months, depending on what the project was. Like when I installed, we were installing the engines on the plane, I stayed three months with a journeyman. That was all he did, was install the engines. Now that was after a year in apprenticeship school. Now in the apprenticeship school, there was a month on each detail. One of the details was taking engines apart the old prop engines at the time, and you take, we, there, were, there were jet engines we were working on in the factory, but just as for the apprenticeship school, we went through, we took engines apart, we put engines back together. We worked on bench detail, that was all little tiny components, and learning how to drill, and learning how to, uh, uh, to rivet things together, which you use in, in aircraft building. There was also the machinist uh, section, and uh, my brother, I, I was the first one in this apprenticeship school. My brother John followed me, and my brother Brian followed him. And my brother John and Brian are still in the aircraft uh, business. 
and they're both excellent mechanics. One of, the, one of the things that we did in the machinist section was we made a little bench vise. Now that involved working on lathes, it involved working on milling machines. And you had an instructor there, and the instructor would come and you had your, your blueprints, you had your di directions. And then of course, you know, I'd never run a milling machine, I'd never run a lathe, didn't know how to set them. We didn't know how to, re we had to learn how to read micrometers and vernier calipers, all these pieces of equipment that measure to uh, a thousandth of an inch or less. And uh, that was a whole year. Sheet metal was another one. If you ever see, I, I couldn't do that. I didn't catch that. You see someone that can work with sheet metal, they get a, we're working on the, I work, remember I built the nose cone of a, a Hawker Siddeley Hawk at another factory in London. And uh, the, 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 the sheet metal would be a little bit bulgy. And you'd call up the guy that was, did the sheet metal and he was the journeyman. He'd come up there with his hammer and his, and his uh, steel, uh, I forget what you call them now. Anyway, he'd just bang on that metal. He'd put the metal uh, dolly, do, a metal dolly behind and he'd be banging and all of a sudden he'd shape that, form that so it was just perfect. That was years of experience, years of apprenticeship. That was an apprenticeship. So when the Bible's talking about making disciples, it's like making a, a, having an apprentice, apprenticeship in the church. Now, how, when did you ever think about the church as being an apprenticeship? When did you ever think about, well, I'm gonna go to church, where am I in my progress in the apprenticeship program here? Am I in my first year? Or have we even ever started? And then we wonder why sometimes when, when uh, you know, we have a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and that can be very intimidating because Wednesday night prayer meeting, is, usually it's a smaller group. That's, that's a part of the apprenticeship program. But you may come in and say, well, turn to, um, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I don't even know where Ephesians chapter 4 Because there's been no apprenticeship. There's been no guidance. There's been no teaching. The, when we go home, we don't open our Bible until we come back the next Sunday. And if we've got to look for it, like sometimes. Where did I leave my Bible last Sunday? Oh, it's here. Oh, I left it in the truck. You know, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to belittle anybody. I'm just saying that for the church to be healthy, we, start, we should be starting this with the children. We should have uh, uh, thinking about how do we share our faith? How do we share Christ? How do we share spiritual things? How do we walk our kids through the Bible so that the kids know where different scriptures are? I'll often say to my wife Paulina, gosh, I, I still need to master these scriptures because I didn't come to Christ till later in life, didn't get in ministry until later in life. And she, said, she encourages me, she said, you don't realize how many scriptures you're just quoting without going to the Bible to look them up. They're just in there. But we were discipled, my wife and I, by people that took us in the Bible. They'd take us out to visit people. And then when people had their questions, they'd say, well, you know what? Why don't you turn to Matthew this? Why don't you turn to Acts that? So we'd be turning there with, it, with these 
older people and, and learning along with them. Oh, look at that. And it's amazing when, when we saw folks that we were with that had been in the Lord for a long time and mastered the scriptures and they'd been discipled themselves. And when they were, we were in a home of somebody that had a, a problem in their marriage or, a, or they, were, they didn't even know the Lord and, and then they'd bring these scriptures and all of a sudden there'd be just people just breaking down in tears and giving their lives to Christ and because the, they were experienced and the, listening to the Holy Spirit and they'd been trained. Now that's an apprenticeship. And, and I, I'm just asking for us as a church, just I know some of you are visiting today, but I, I'm as, I, we've only been here two years and I've been asking the Lord, we have people that love the Bible, we have people that teach the Bible. Um, the, the classes I think could be fuller. But the purpose of even those that are teaching the Bible isn't just to teach you knowledge about this or, or to know this or to memorize this. It's to actually know the person of Jesus Christ. To know that he loves you. To know that he has a healing that he has for you. To know that he can fill you with courage and he, can, he has a Holy Spirit that's a, a personality that can come and, and, and fill you when you ask him to fill you. And he's grieved when you turn away from him and when you deny him. And so that's an apprenticeship. That's just one part. But also, there's like a gymnasium, like I said earlier. It's like getting in shape physically. And that's not easy. You know, I've talked to some of you about me being part of the spin class three days a week. And I got a, we got a gal, she's like 37 years of age. And now some of you are not 37 years of age. That's old to some of you. But she's in such terrific shape. I started that class, it'll be, it'll be two years this November. And I can remember getting in there on the bike and they showed me how to set the seat and I have to have the seat as high as it will go. And I get on there and pedaling and, and then she says, the music's playing, now stand up and pedal. Well, I stood up, I remember the first day I stood up, about 15 seconds later, my legs were burning and I, I had to sit down and I'm sweating already. And they're just all up going like this for like the whole song. I was telling Todd this morning, I said, we, we did a thing this last week and she's been increasing it and increasing it. I did a thing this last week for four minutes, four minutes, where you're on the bike and you're pedaling really fast and you, you, you stand up for four, four, four things. One, two, three, four, down, four, three, four, up, two, three, four, down, two, three, four, for four minutes. And then when you finally come up at the end and you, you, think, you think, okay, this is it. I'm going to sit down and be done. No, now, now, now sprint. Now well, the legs are just going like jelly. But I'm getting through it. It's been almost two years. I could have quit because it was hard. And because everybody in there seemed to be in such good shape, except me. At least that's how I felt. It also gets very difficult to stay disciplined to go because it's Tuesday at lunch, it's Thursday at lunch, it's Friday at lunch. Do you know how many Tuesday lunches and Thursday lunches I get invited to? A lot of our ministers' lunches, once a month, it's on a Thursday. When I go to a ministers' uh, gathering in Sydney, it's on a Tuesday. So then I have to miss that. I have to go to that. And I miss the working out. 
Now, there are times, let's be honest, when I get up and I was telling Todd this this morning, I just don't want to go to spin class. I don't feel like I got any energy. Now, that's the day I really need to go. And you see, that's how it is in church. Now, this is honest about me. This is before I was a pastor. Wednesday night comes, prayer night. You know, I'm going to stay home. Pauline's getting all the kids ready. Then the kids were little. And I mean, now I was so about me. I was so into me. I was just, you know, watching basketball on television. You know, Pauline was doing all the work, taking care of all the kids. It's just a shame. It's just terrible. We're still going through counseling over all that stuff. I am anyway. But God is doing a great work in me. But I, I, I can remember being there Wednesday night. You know, eh, I don't want to go. Well, stay home then. And then Pauline would go off, and, and then she'd come home, and what was my first question? So how did it go tonight? You need to go there to find out. That was the best thing she could have said to me. You need to go there to find out yourself. I did it on a Sunday morning once. We had the president of the Christian Mission Alliance, David Rambo. He was speaking at a conference. I got like a bad attitude. I got, you know, have you ever had a bad attitude? Maybe not. But, you know, I'm in bed even. I didn't even get out of bed. And I'm like, I'm not going to church this morning. Well, we're going. Hauls all the kids out there in the car. Well, what was his message about? <laughs> you need to go. I'm not telling you. But she didn't stay home. She could have stayed home. Husband's the head of the house. He leads the way. No. See, your relationship with Christ is individual and it's personal. Yes, it's corporate. But it takes an effort to go. It takes an effort for me to go to that spin class. I'm so glad I go. Just about nine months ago, I'll just tell you this. Remember, I don't know if you remember me telling you I couldn't, couldn't even lift my arm off of, over my head. I did something to my shoulder. And we've got these little tiny weights at home, you know, that you walk with. One's only three pounds. I couldn't even take that and lift it over my head through this arm. And then I was talking to my son just a, uh, about three weeks ago. And he was telling me that he's getting these uh, 100-pound dumbbells. I think he's getting 150-pound dumbbells, too. This, that's what he used to work with. But I think it was 100. But he's been working with 65-pound dumbbells. You ever work with dumbbells, 65-pounders? So he's been telling me about working with these, you know. So I went in the gym, and I'm thinking, well, I, my shoulder's feeling better now. I've been getting the weight up a little bit more, a little bit at a time. Be careful. Don't, go, don't be stupid. Don't get your pride going here. I wonder if I can do, I wonder if I can do 55. So I took the 55-pound dumbbells, and Daniel, I already, my son Dan said, when you go grab the dumbbells, don't just grab them and rip them. You might rip your shoulders out, you know. Take them and take the strain and then get them up, and when you sit down on the bench, the hardest thing is, is to get those 55-pound 50 dumbbells up and then lean back and put them up here. <laughs> I got back there. I did 10 reps. Now, am I boasting? Yeah. I am, actually. 55-pound dumbbells, so I call my son right away. He's like, great, Dad, great. Now, there's folks in there doing way more than that. But that, for me, was good. That, for me, made me feel good. 
But almost nine months ago, my shoulder, I couldn't even do three over the head. Now that happens in the faith, you guys. That happens in our Christian faith. We get injured, we trip, we fall. We do something stupid. We sin, we make a mistake. We say something to somebody we wished we hadn't. And Jesus knows all about it. And sometimes we have to take our time in recovery. We need someone that's, that's gone through the apprenticeship school that now is a journeyman to come alongside us and help coach us through and help encourage us to stay in the gym, to stay in the classroom, to stay on the project. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. That's what we're here for. Because we're like God's building. We're like his field. We're like his vessel. And we can be hurt and wounded. But we're to edify one another. Yes, we're to exhort one another. Uh, but we're also to console one another. We're to be a church that does edify one another. Build one another up. And it's not just the pastor. See, each one of us, if each one of you worked out and exercised in the Lord, were guided by a brother or a sister to do a devotion or even just meditate on a verse, just start small and rejoice in the smallness, the victory, because the enemy doesn't even want you even looking at scripture. And celebrate it and celebrate it together. I just want to encourage you in that. The apprenticeship, the journeyman. And no matter how in shape you get, there's always continuing education. You tell me of any profession, any profession that requires a license requires ongoing education. Aren't I right? In a ministry, as a minister is a license, it requires ongoing education. I fill out a form every year. I have to document the books, new books that I've read, conferences I've been to, any training seminar I've gone to. I document that, and I, there's a certain allotment for me to, that I have to meet in order to maintain a license. And you have to do that in, with your nurse, like Pauline, uh, whatever your profession is. Lineman, you'll have to do continuing ed. You're always getting updated. There's always new stuff. Well, what about the church? The Bible's the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But no, no matter how much you know about him, there's more to know. Because it's infinity. It's endless. And I want to encourage you. Get in a Bible study. Get in a small group and then begin to share what you're learning. I'll close with this from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four and nine. Deuteronomy chapter six, four and nine, four through nine. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And do you recognize that from Ephesians? Where is one God, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. And you, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You'll bind them as a sign on your hand 
and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. He goes on from that. But I want to encourage you as parents to talk about your journey in the faith, how God brought you along, some of the struggles you've had, and even share with them how difficult it is sometimes, just like going to the gym, how challenging it is sometimes to go to a prayer meeting or go to church, how easy it is to miss, and then, and then share with your children how, how that, uh, that affected you spiritually. Be honest with them. Share about Christ, share about his cross, share about your journey, share about how you were discipled, who discipled you, have your children meet the ones that have discipled you. It all builds up the faith. All of it does. I said I was going to have that one last verse. There is one other verse in Psalm 78. You can read this at home. Maybe this would, this would be a good psalm to meditate. It's quite a long psalm, but I'm not going to read all of it. But keep in mind about being in apprenticeship, being in the gym, getting in shape, not missing working out. Psalm 78, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we, which, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I believe that scripture there is encouraging me, you as parents, me now as a grandparent, to share my faith, to share my journey, to share my apprenticeship in the Lord, to share my time in the gym with the Lord, to share my struggles with the Lord, with my children, with my grandchildren, to be as real at home and as real in here as I really am. And I want to encourage you to be the same. If you don't have a testimony of knowing Lord and being discipled in the Lord, then start today. Your testimony starts today as we come to the communion table. I always remember back in Columbia Falls, Montana, sitting down with a group of basketball players, a freshman group. You know what it's like when you're a freshman. The freshman team every, is new every year, you know. You get a different team every year. This freshman, this freshman the freshman team though itself, the, the school's freshman team, had not won a game in four years. 
And I, now those kids were sitting there looking at the year to come and you know what they're thinking. Yep, yep, we're going to lose. That's what happens around here. Now, trust me, I, I, we, we practice to win. We, we play to win. But we don't beat kids up when they lose because you're going to lose some games just like you lose things in life. But I, I'm telling you this to tell you that what I said to those kids that day, and I'll never forget looking at them, I can still see them. And I said, your history starts today. When you look back at your basketball career, you look back to today. And you're freshmen. And your goal is going to be to get to the state tournament in Montana when you're seniors. You're going to just get to the tournament. That's the so then I had the second group the next year. I said the same thing to them. And I said, but then I had a little more confidence. We had a very, very good head basketball coach, at the, uh, uh, the boys basketball coach. And I said, your goal is to be in, in, the, in the state title game when you're seniors. Now that's a pretty bold thing when, when you're talking about kids that haven't lost the game. Well, that first group, I haven't won a game. I haven't won a game. That first group, when we've had our first opening game, we're class A, and we beat the class, we're class A, we beat the class double A, Flathead High, if you're from Montana. They're the biggest school in the state, and our little freshman team beat them. Out of the gate, beat them. And I moved away from town, Mike, and I got, to, I, I got a phone call from those kids. And they said, hey, coach. They called me coach. Hey, coach. Hey, how you doing? Guess where we are? Uh, I'm not sure. Did I lack confidence? We're at the state tournament. We got to the state tournament. We finished third. That was the first group. I'm like, hallelujah, great. Those kids worked hard, we had fun, we laughed during the practices, the whole freshman year that I had them. They had a great high school coach all the way through their, 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 their career. They were being discipled, they were being apprenticed, they were being coached, they were being directed, they were being encouraged, they were being challenged, they won and they lost. But they got to the state, they finished third. I got a call the following year from the second group. And now I knew where they were. I said, you're at the state tournament. And they said, yeah, we just won. We won the state title. Now, I could tell you on more and more stories about those kids, but those kids, they worked their tails off. They worked hard. They listened. They, they, were, they followed direction. Yes, they had a, we had a great high school head coach that could shoot the lights out of the, 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 the gym but they had to do the work, they had to have the coaching, they had to have the guidance. Why aren't we like that in the church? Why can't we look at each other and say, our history starts today? When we look back, we look back to today, when we said, we'll get in the gym, when we'll, we'll go work out. If I don't feel well, if I injure my shoulder, I'll just lift a three pound weight for a while. But I'm gonna stay in shape, I'm gonna go to prayer, I'm not gonna stay home, be depressed, laying in bed 
having my wife go with the kids. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go because I need to stay with it. And when I do miss, I, I will not get myself, let the devil beat me up and keep me out of there forever. Say, so you kept me down this Sunday, you're not going to keep me down next. Because that can happen. And that's why we celebrate this table. Because he knew what we were like. He knew that we were weak and fallible and sinful. He said, I love you so much. I died for you. I gave my life for you. I hung on the cross for you. Put your trust in me. Where have you been all week? Come back to me now. Because my nail-pierced hands are reaching out to you. Because I love you. Now I'm going to have the elders and deacons come on up and we're going to pass out this bread together.